Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. Well, we record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts well. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery. And my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by Go Hunt Maps. We've been using Go Hunt Maps since they started, providing them with our feedback and our ideas to add to their maps and their tools. So if you go to GoHunt.com and sign up for their Explorer Maps, you'll get all 50 states for the low price of $49. And by using promo code ELKTALK, they're going to give you $20 of credit in their gear shop that you can apply towards things you might want for this upcoming hunting season. GoHunt.com, Explorer Maps, promo code ELKTALK. Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing Every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course. And regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Randy. How's life in Idaho? Well, it's pretty good. We're above freezing. Well, we will be above freezing today, so that's uh, always uh, always good. The snow, we got a, I don't know, probably eight inches of snow last night, so I've got some plowing what? to do after we get done recording here, but... No, we, we, we have 
diverted the jet stream where we're we're doing no more snow in Montana this year. Oh, really? So that atmospheric river they said that hit California and Nevada mm-hmm. this week, that was because those of us in Montana used our planetary powers to push the jet stream away from us. Nice. Because we're tired of shoveling snow. Yeah. And it's only the you know middle of January. Yeah. And if we keep getting the amount of snow every month like we got in December, we aren't going to have any deer or elk left. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I've been worried about that. But I went out and uh, chased wolves here a couple days ago, and I was down where the deer and elk are wintering. And you know, it's we don't have a ton of snow like in the cool. winter grounds. It's uh, there's definitely snow, but I would say there's really no more snow right now than there was this time last year. Oh, great. Uh, down there. We've gotten a lot more snow, but we've also had some warmer weather that's melted it yeah. and actually had a few rainstorms. So yeah. I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> From what I've seen, the deer and elk are looking good. And as long as we don't get that late freeze and heavy snow, I mean, obviously there's still three months of winter left, so yeah. a lot can happen, but it's that, you know, early cold like we had and then heavy snow where they can't get to feed and then when you get the late stuff, that's that's when I start worrying. And right now, I think they're able to get to feed and things are looking okay still. Cool. Well, we got rain here. It got 52 degrees in wow. rain the, the week, just between, between Christmas and New Year. It rained for two days. And yeah. it, it did really knock our snow down, especially on those south-facing slopes. The downside is it created such a high moisture content in the remaining snow that yep. now that it's you know it gets down in the teens every night, you could go and chisel ice cubes out of those snow banks right now. So yeah. nobody's no, no elk and nothing scratching through that stuff. Where there is snow, they aren't they aren't getting through it. But, yeah, and the other disadvantage I saw was. It's the same thing here. The crust, I mean, it is a thick crust on top, and then you got a little bit of powder in between and then solid ice on the on the ground layer. But those wolves are able to run right across that top of the frozen. Mm-hmm. And me and the elk, we, uh, we step on that top layer of frozen, and we sink down the two feet into the powder below it, and uh, it's a little slower going for us. Yeah. Huh. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, right? Because yep. – well, we're going to have to make a decision about Wyoming, you know, by January 31st, what what we're going to apply for. The good news is Wyoming, as long as you get your application and they let you modify it until like, I think May 5th or something <laughs> like that. So I always make sure I got my, my application in and then I wait till they, in April, their job completion reports get done, which come out on their website uh and then you can go in and modify your application so yeah and they approve the quotas so i go tweak that a little bit yeah. um, just one of the benefits so. of allowing them to collect interest on our money for five months <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i uh uh i posted another video this week on my youtube channel that again has everybody's hair on fire i've been throwing these ideas out there not that i'm saying you got to do it this way or that way uh but i did one a couple weeks ago that was about you know the changes coming in wyoming and colorado and if you hold on to your points you run the risk of you know a huge amount of deflation to your points uh oh my gosh 
everyone's like, you're just saying that you're trying to get people to behave this way so you can go the other way. Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't have any elk points. I burned my elk points in Wyoming last year. I, I, I'm, I'm strictly in the random draws. That doesn't matter to me. Yep. Well, then this week I posted another one, another video about just ideas for people to think about of, you know, if everyone says we have point collectors, you know, people just accumulating points, I threw out some ideas of, well, if you really want to change that, here's some ideas to think about. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm in cahoots with this, and I'm trying to cut state budgets, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just throwing <laughs> these out there. And uh, the one, the, there's only one of them that every comment so far people have agreed with. Uh, this one, and that is to adopt Colorado's system of point averaging, that the person with the lowest number of points is what the party gets. So that the dude who's buying, you know, grandma and point, grandpa, yeah, points for 12 non-hunting people. Every year he party apps with a different non-hunting person. Yep. And it would change that. It would. Well, I, it would be an interesting way to smoke out how many of those 80% of Wyoming elk applicants who don't even apply, they just buy another point. How many of them are non-hunters who are just like a placeholder for somebody who's doing party apps for them? Yep. So nobody, everybody thought that was a good idea. <laughs> Either I did a bad job of explaining the other possibilities or they're just bad ideas, which maybe they are. You know, I'm I'm not vested in any of them. And uh, one well, of them you was... Just see, you see how divided everyone is as far as if you have a bunch of points, you don't want to see this. If you don't have any points, you don't want to see that. And, you know, it's yeah. hard. You aren't going to come up with a solution that's going to please everybody. That is for sure. No. And I go through the math. I use Wyoming as an example. You know, they sell an elk point for $50. Yeah. And they sell 150,000 elk points to non-residents every year. In fact, last year they sold 160,000. Well, if you multiply that 150 by 50 bucks, that's $7.5 million <laughs> that goes to Wyoming Game and Fish for just the elk points. This doesn't count sheep and and uh moose it doesn't count deer or pronghorn and it doesn't result in one extra non-resident tag being used to kill even one additional elk so anyone who thinks that wyoming is going to change that system you're smoking crack yeah that's $7.5 million of mad money for just one species in one state. Yeah. So I, I did the video to kind of get people to think about this. Of All right. We want to complain about it. We don't like this. We don't like that. These systems aren't going away. <laughs> okay. Yep. So why do, you know, on our podcast here and video content I produce, why do I spend a lot of time explaining the systems? Because they're not going away away and they aren't going to get better <laughs> no boy i i woke up i turned on my hunt talk forum this morning and whoo gosh got some I activity out there huh 
I tell you what, you would have swore it was a Monday morning, not a Tuesday morning. I wound <laughs> up as people are. And then I went, uh, we posted the video yesterday afternoon when I logged on to the YouTube page just a little bit ago. There are already 70 some comments. And uh, yeah. all right. So, anyhow, that w- that's a tangent to the fact that, folks, if you're listening and you want to apply in Wyoming, I suggest you not be f- sleeping between now and January 31st. No kidding. First thing that crossed my mind is, what can you and I come up with that we can sell people for $50 and get (laughs) 160,000 people to buy it? Like, that's, man. Oh, man. Uh, That, that, you know, if you can figure that out, Corey, uh, we should franchise that. Yeah. I I just want people to comment. Let me know what they would be willing to buy from Randy and I for $50. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll figure out how to get that in front of one hundred and sixty thousand people. Yeah, I don't. Then, even then we could do a podcast every week. Yeah, we could. Do we an could give away. We week. could give away free Elkons on every podcast. Wow! Now you're. Going, <laughs> I don't know if you did the math on that or not, but it that probably well, would work out. It would. I did the quick math. You know, twenty six podcasts. Say each each Elkon cost some cost ten thousand bucks well that's only what two hundred and sixty thousand of seven point yeah. five million of revenue hey, let's true. give away five let's give away five elcons on every podcast <laughs> and whoever comes up with the idea we'll carve them in we'll give them a ten percent ownership interest wow. in whatever enterprise holy cow now you're talking yeah, you're, you're not a, you're not being an accountant today. You're being no, a, I'm a sales guy today. That's for I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm. No, I went down to the CPA firm last week. That was a mistake. Oh man, I'm, I'm not going back. <laughs> You've been telling them that for three or four years. <laughs> yeah, it's that time of year. So yeah. I, I I wake up every morning. And I go get my coffee. If the CPA firm is open, I swing by and I try to smile to make everybody happy. But, you know, it's taxes. Taxes don't make a lot of people smile. No. So On either but end. They're pretty, I, I'm surprised how happy they are down there, though. <laughs> they're doing a good job. But anyhow, it was enough for me to get my taste of it. So I said, I'm going to go do podcasts with Corey and look at all <laughs> these questions we got. We, we got a bunch more questions. So I'm going to throw this out there to you. Instead of going through each individual question, uh, a lot they're all about elk hunting. Um, That's good because this is an elk podcast. <laughs> yeah, most of them are about archery elk hunting. I I think if you take our audience, even though we've never done a profile of them, we have more listeners who archery hunt some or exclusively than we do who just rifle hunt. Based on the questions, would you say that's fair? Yeah, I, you know, and I might this this uh, I'm going to generalize here, but from my experience, I think archery hunters are, and this might upset some rifle hunters, and I don't mean to do that, but I think archery hunters typically uh, invest more in education than rifle hunters do. I think uh, a lot of rifle hunters rely on the fact that they're using a rifle and they can go out and find an elk and shoot it 
and don't spend near as much time getting into the details as far as understanding elk behavior and calling tactics and things that when you're an archery hunter, there's a lot that goes into it. And I've just noticed that archery hunters seem to be more uh, willing to invest in their education mm-hmm. and in their no, I, I, learning. I think that's very true. And I think also the fact that uh, a lot of people get to elk hunting, they start out probably deer hunting. Yeah. And if you're a rifle deer hunter, there's an awful lot. Most of that transition is yeah. to rifle elk hunting. Archery deer hunting does n- <laughs> not transition. I mean, you're not calling in a whitetail buck when you're archery hunting. Or you're not calling, maybe you are in a rare yeah. instance. But usually the, on the ground, the, aggressively pursuing the animal. Yeah, yeah there's just a lot of. Stand, not sitting in a blind. So yep. uh, there's a lot less in that transitions from archery hunting deer to archery hunting elk compared to how much transitions from rifle hunting deer to rifle hunting elk. So I, I would agree with your premise. Yes. And, and that's not, that's, you know, that's not a dig on rifle hunters at all. Yeah. It's just, no. Hey, there's, there's a lot bigger learning curve to be an archery elk hunter. And I think that, that archery elk hunters invest in that. And that's why I think that a lot of the questions we get seem to come from archery hunters is, uh, Maybe rifle hunters don't have as many questions. There's not as many things to figure out. Maybe. So rather than go through all these questions, and we'll probably get to a lot of these questions in later episodes, but we've been accumulating this big pile of them over in the folder in my Outlook. Uh, I wanted to, and this is, you've kind of resisted this, so folks, for the record, I'm kind of forcing Corey to do this. So he, he's been like, no, I don't want, I don't know if that's the way to answer the da da da. So I threatened to throw my sucker in the dirt and go home today if he didn't humor me with this. So I want to go down the path, Corey. How did you start the University of Elk Hunting? Because a lot of these questions that we get, you and I email back and forth about them, and you're like, well, we cover that in Chapter 6, this part of the University of Elk Hunting. I would say most every question that we get in our discussions, you say, well, I cover that in the university, so I want to make sure that the answer I, we give on the podcast coincides with how I addressed <laughs> it in the University of Elk Hunting. Uh, so, folks, if we do answer your question, a lot of times we're going to the Corey's scripts from, I don't know, or, or worksheets. Going to the source. <laughs> yeah, of Corey's University of Elk Hunting. And he pulls that up and we talk about it and then we try to expand it or apply it to whatever the specific question is. Well, we end up doing that enough that I thought it would be cool for the audience to understand how was it that you decided, I'm going to try build a university of elk hunting because i i knew you while you were doing this and it was no small undertaking yeah Uh, you know it really to answer your question generally uh i created it because of the exact same thing we're seeing here all these questions Mm -hmm. And I would go into a seminar, you know, a 40-minute seminar with a 15-minute Q&A at the end of it. And in 40 minutes, I could share 
one little snippet of a portion of one category that goes into elk hunting, whether that is understanding elk behavior. And I could, I could explain elk behavior, but then we couldn't get into how elk use their senses to influence their behavior or what factors influence behavior. I could go into how to use elk calls, but I couldn't get into what sounds to make and all that. I mean, 40 minutes is just you're just touching the tip of the iceberg. So then I'd get done and have 15 minutes for a Q&A. And there'd be some people that would say, you know, um, how do I find an elk on September 10th? And it's like, well, that's not a real good question. You know, that's what, what state are you in? Where, what, you know, there's so many things that go into that. But then I'd get somebody that would say, okay, you said that, you know, you, you trigger an elk's uh, fight or flight reaction based on the emotion in your call. So if you have an elk that's been pressured and, you know, you're on public land and all these different factors, there's wolves there, how aggressive can you be before, you know, you push them off or whatever? And so those kinds of questions, you know, they're very specific. And after doing seminars for seven or eight years, I started realizing there is just so much. You talk about a rabbit hole. You get, you'd say, I'm going to get into archery elk hunting. And then you divert down into these 10 different directions. And then in each of these directions, each of these categories, whether it's gear or physical conditioning or understanding elk behavior, uh, understanding elk in general, you know, all these things that it's just, uh, I sat down before I even started, I sat down and I made a list of every single topic I could think of. And I started, you know, very broad gear. Mm -hmm. Um, physical conditioning, elk behavior. And then I got into calling, using elk calls and all that. And then inside each of those categories, I started breaking down based on some of the specific questions I got. I had like seven pages of one line <laughs> topics that, that went into that. And I thought, okay, I could break this out into categories and really go into detail here. And that's how the idea was was born. Was were those seven pages of notes of so many questions, so many topics. And I thought, if somebody really wants to, you know, if, if they just want a a general brief understanding, I can tell you, hey, the seven categories that you need to focus on to improve your hunting success are this, 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 this. But really the questions don't even start until you, you realize what those categories are. And so, you know, my thought was I'm going to create this and it's probably going to take me a month or two. I'll go through and I'll answer all this. We'll do some videos. Be cool to do some diagrams. You know, when we talk about shot selection and why yeah. is, why is a broadside shot the best shot on an elk? Well, you have the biggest, margin of error there you know you can you can miss by six inches if you're aiming at the center of that kill zone and still have a very effective shot so when you go to a quartering away shot you know i've had bad luck with quartering away shots just because you're typically only hitting one lung the arrow is typically hitting the offside shoulder and the side that you enter on is quickly filled in with gut material or fat and you don't get any blood there. So the elk's going to die for sure, but it's going to run. You're going to be able to track it. And then you get into the frontal shot and that whole debate. And so, you know, I thought, man, a diagram showing like a 3D view of, of anatomy, the bone structure, the, the uh, vascular, you know, all the blood, the vessels, the veins, the arteries, everything 
would be really cool. And it honestly, when I, when I set out, I thought three months max to go through, collect <laughs> all of this. Uh, my wife still talks about the nine months that I basically uh, sequestered myself in front of the computer and sat down and just started writing. And it literally was nine months of me working, gosh, 14, 15 hours a day just sitting there. And I was, I would get so into it and, you know, it was like, okay, well, what about this? And so I'd start typing and then it's like, this is a whole nother chapter. So I'd make another, you know, note there, add, add this chapter to this section. And that's, you know, when you said, you know, what it took, what it took and, and what's gone into it, uh, it didn't start out that way. But once I went down that rabbit hole, I couldn't not complete it and I couldn't leave it, uh, undetailed and, and incomplete. Uh, well, that that doesn't surprise me because knowing you and your personality, knowing the engineer, the competitive basketball player, when you said, yeah, I'm going to do kind of this overview to give people kind of the, the starting points, a part of me, as you were explaining that, my mind's drifting thinking, yeah, starting points, right? Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> i didn't laugh out loud but uh, yeah you so did raise when, an eyebrow i remember talking to you at one of the shows about it and, mm -hmm. and uh so as we talk over you know the course of that spring and summer occasionally you'd explain to me how you uh were not getting any vitamin d because you've been locked <laughs> indoors for months working on this and uh but anyhow uh you you've always been pretty bashful about uh, promoting it. Uh, I mean, you've had your platforms and your website and stuff that did, but I I throw all that out there because I I want people to understand that if you really are interested in becoming a student of elk hunting, uh, and you you want to commit the time to learn more, and and you've you've always been quick to say. You know, there's so much more than just what's in this course, too. But yeah. I, I'm going to say that the course is really, uh, it, it gets to the core of all the important pieces. And then people, when they learn that and start to understand it, they can go apply it to their hunting style. They can apply it to hunting in eastern Oregon versus hunting in Arizona versus hunting in, you know, the, the plains of Montana. It, it's it builds a knowledge set that gives you the ability to look at the problem and analyze it rather than trying to predict every single scenario that comes with elk hunting and giving you an answer to it. Yeah. Am I making and that's, sense about it? I think my goal when I set out was not to answer the how in every situation, but to explain the why. And I think mm -hmm. when you understand the why, you're able to apply it to a lot of different hows. You know, there's, you yeah. go out and a lot of people, whether they're a first time hunter, whether they've hunted for 10 years and never killed an elk, there's a lot of things they haven't experienced. And there's a lot of things they've experienced that they don't understand because it's not, elk hunting doesn't happen nearly frequently enough. You know, when you get to hunt mm -hmm. one week a year, things are going to happen. And, you know, I've been blessed to be able to hunt multiple weeks, you know, the last 10 or 15 years throughout September and recognize when things are happening, why they're happening, 
And that makes a huge difference when you sit there and say, I've got six days to hunt. How am I going to, how am I going to approach this hunt? How am I going to tackle it? And when you understand things, and probably the biggest thing that I've seen in comments and, you know, people reaching out, emails, success stories, the biggest factor I think that, that contributes to what I've tried to do is people say, I went through the course, was overwhelmed. Holy cow, there was so much information. But then I went and hunted and I came back and I reviewed the course again. And I learned so much because things that I had just experienced, I was able to see, this is what you're talking about. Now I understand it. Now when I go back out there, this is going to be a part of my strategy because I understand it. I know what to look for and I know what to do when it happens. And there's so much of that that, you know, goes into elk hunting. Just the the learning curve is steep. It's long. You never reach the end of it. By by no means am I saying <laughs> I created a course with 66 chapters on elk hunting, so I know everything about it. I get my rear end handed to me just about every day that I'm elk hunting still. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's that part of it. And then there are a lot of people who are every bit as successful as you or I as an elk hunter and even more, way more, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's people that are way more successful than we are. Um, I think a lot of people like to guard that success and they like to guard the, the knowledge they've gained, uh, yeah. because they don't want the competition. They don't want other people being successful, whether it is a, a pride thing, a, an ego thing, whatever it is, there are a lot of people that guard that. And for me, <laughs> I want to see other people be successful. And, you know, whether that's coaching a high school basketball team, whether that is, you know, being with my kids and and watching them do whatever path, you know, whatever thing it is that they want to do, I love to see other people succeed. And there might be one or two people out there that I, you know, I might not vocally, you know, smile when they fail but there there are people that you know (laughs) that we don't see eye to eye on things but for the most part i love to see people succeed and will primo said one time if you teach somebody to love something they're going to protect it and i think that the more success you have as an elk hunter the more love you're going to have the more passion you're going to have the more understanding you're going to have for elk for their needs and the more ability we're going to have to to join together and protect that future. And that's ultimately from the education side, from the success side, it's just a, it's a big circle that I want to see continue. I don't want to see the passion for elk and I don't, I don't want to see that fire go out. Yeah. Wow. Uh, another part of your background people may not know is you're passionate about teaching and sharing which is why you coach basketball teams, uh, why you do it. You may not see it that way, but I know you, and it's like in most parts of your life, you're teaching. You're, <laughs> you may not realize it, Corey, <laughs> but you're, you, most of the things that take up your time have a lot of uh, teaching elements to it. So, um, and well, it's hard what, to it's hard to convey. I think that that's one of the the things that I've been blessed with is through the engineering, through the passion, and all those things. Um, I found that I've been able to explain things and help mm-hmm. people understand things, which it can be hard. Even somebody that wants to share information, it can be really hard to convey that in a way that others are going to understand. 
And, you know, I think my systematic, methodical, linear approach through being an engineer helps me break things down to the simplest form so that as they get complicated, we can start at the beginning and build, you know, line upon line on that. Uh, so it is more digestible for for an average person that hasn't maybe experienced it or hasn't yeah. had, you know, a lot of years of experience in it. Yeah. Well, I got an awful lot out of the course. I can tell you that. I'm, I still am a very unaccomplished archery elk hunter, uh, but that's, there's other reasons that contribute to that besides my, my lack of talent. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you, you put the course up there, and now in the last six months or whatever it's been, eight months, now the course has migrated over to outdoor class, which I did a rifle elk hunting module for outdoor class. You've done an elk, is it, did you do an elk Early, calling module? Yeah, Early so it was, it was basically uh, calling elk in the pre-rut and peak rut, I think okay. is the name of the module. <clears throat> so... Kind of the decision was made of why have two standalone platforms, two standalone subscription costs, and everything got moved over to outdoorclass.com. And now they get all of your university course you spent. Uh, in August, the amount of time you spent <laughs> on that migration, I there was no way I was calling you. I'm like, no, he probably wants to be out fishing or something and then you just stuck in a room it came you know. right down almost into elk season yeah so, really uh, that, so that wasn't gonna happen but but so no i mean that... it goes back you know and you and i have talked for for several years but when i created the university of elk hunting the first thing i thought of was what else can this apply to you know what mm -hmm. what this platform <laughs> does for elk hunters can it do the same for deer hunters for turkey mm -hmm. hunters for antelope hunters for right. rifle elk hunters you know and and so you and i talked i don't even know how many years ago but it was like hey there's there's an opportunity here to create multiple online courses for different species with different experts in each field i'm not going to be able to mm -hmm. do an online course for white-tailed deer hunting you know <laughs> i i know how to hunt bears i know how to hunt wolves but am i an expert i i don't think so there's other people that i would call and say hey what do i do in this situation and right. so it, it worked out uh two years ago that we we were able to take that approach and launch it through outdoor class and then we're sitting here mm -hmm. with outdoor class that has all these modules on different topics related to outdoors and hunting and we still have the university of elk hunting and we have two platforms people have to sign up for both of them and ultimately we're like hey this we, we wanted these all tied together how do we make it happen yeah. and since outdoor class is 100 percent video based like all of the modules in there are video yeah. based you know you can you can listen to them for sure but there's no reading uh there's you don't have to go to a website and scroll down a website you can just watch a video and the university of elk hunting is i forget how many pages we had in there 70 72 web pages uh and there's reading there's videos there are diagrams you know it's a very visual based course so it doesn't plug right into 
the outdoor class platform. So there was a lot we had to do to, to migrate that over. But once it was done, now people have access to all of those modules that are a part of outdoor class. So my, you know, I don't even remember how long it was. It's long and it's in-depth and it's 100% video based on yeah. calling elk in the pre-rut and peak rut. Yours is the post-rut and late season. Again, very detailed, 100% video based. They have access to all of that plus the uh, the original format of the University of Elk Hunting, which is still in web page form. Uh, there's still the audio book. You can listen to it. You know, there's the video components and all that. But Outdoor Class is a huge platform now with a lot of lot of content yeah. on there, not just about elk hunting. Yeah. Well, when you said when we got that migration done, I don't know who you mean when you say we, but I, I was pronghorn hunting in Nevada when <laughs> we... Core, we got that migration <laughs> done. Uh, but no, we're, you know, like you said, when we talked about this over the years, we had in mind a lot of people who really are truly experts in some things that I'm certainly not. And you said you weren't. And so we talked our buddy Remy Warren into doing meal deer. Uh, you know, we talked Hank Shaw into doing cooking, Jamie Teagan into doing cooking uh we got john barklow uh working on survival and outdoor skills uh that's going to come out pretty soon uh so this idea that we i I heard some rumblings about you working on another module right yeah i'm I'm reviewing it right now um i'm sure the editors are they, they probably think i'm so far out to launch uh but accountants are detailed people. So, you know, it's probably, so it's a pronghorn hunting course. And I, I love pronghorn hunting. I've been able to do so much of it. And that's part of what interferes with my archery elk hunting. Is, uh, <laughs> the fact that I love pronghorn hunting too. Uh, so I went out and I searched the entire internet for anything that might have video content teaching pronghorn pronghorn evolution their skills or why they do this why what is it about their physiology that causes them to behave the way they do or may have certain preferences and then how do we capitalize that on that for hunting uh i couldn't find anything like that uh you know there's what i call uh the pronghorn bible uh it's pronghorn ecology written by uh Ogara and Yoakum and it's six, five or 600 pages. And I've read that thing so many times. And, uh, so anyhow, yeah, that I'm, I'm reviewing that course right now. We thought we'd have it ready to launch the end of January, but I think it's going to be early to mid February. Uh, and it covers archery hunting, rifle hunting, uh, you know, it's, it's not as pronghorn hunting is a lot easier than elk hunting, right? you're not calling them in you're they're not as attentive to the sense of smell as elk are uh there's certain ways you can trick their vision or at least there are certain times of the day or certain ways you can make it let there it's still going to be their advantage but you can make it less so so i think we got 12 chapters in that first pronghorn course it's ready to ready to come out here in a month or so but the point of all that is that uh we're doing we're kind of doing what we talked about when we 
kind of hatched the idea however many years ago and we got a bunch more people lined up but i for the sake of our audience of the elk talk podcast i wanted them to know that sometimes if we don't get to your question Corey's never been the guy who would reply to you and say well i cover this in the elk you know university <laughs> of elk hunting that's just not Corey. even though i want to say hey thanks for your question Corey's too modest to tell you to go and look for it in the University of Alkine. Uh, well, so, and I just, you know, I've never been a, a salesman as far as a hard sale. I, I yeah. absolutely, you know, I've been able to to make a living in the hunting industry for several years now. So there's a, mm-hmm. there's a financial component there for sure. Uh, but I don't want people to go and buy it unless they really you know, I don't want them to sign up for membership unless they really want to dive into it and they're going to find value. So somebody that yeah. asks one question, you know, you, you can tell from somebody's question whether they are interested in learning or whether they just want an easy, quick answer to, to go and find an easy solution. Yeah. And, you know, it is hard. I don't want to, I don't ever want to push somebody away from asking a question by saying, well, you have to sign up and pay money if you want to get an answer to that. That's never no, been my platform and that's no. i mean that's why we do a podcast for free every right. week is we try <laughs> yep. to share that information but for those who are interested in taking a deep dive and there's there's no marketing in it you know when you get in there and start reading it i'm not trying to sell a product in there so there's no you know strategies yep. and tactics aren't based around a product and you look at right. so many so many things for so many years when somebody is trying to sell something they've got to yep. come out with a a platform to sell that on and we're so gun shy as hunters to somebody's trying to you know they're giving away this information and wait for the sales pitch at the end and i don't <laughs> ever want to i don't ever want it to to lead to that or to be that guy um but at the end of the day there's nothing in there that I left out. If I, there's, there's a lot of things that I don't know and I didn't put those in there, but if there's anything I've learned, any knowledge I've gained, any experiences I've had in elk hunting, I put all of that in there. And I tried to share just about every elk hunting story I could think of in there as well to illustrate some of the examples, you know? So I, there's a lot of elk hunting stories from back in the nineties when I was cutting my teeth on, on success, uh, that I share in there to, to talk about persistence, to talk about, you know, learning to use the wind to your advantage. And people always think, well, the thermals are, we can't control them. And absolutely we can't. But like you said, with antelope, antelope's eyes are incredible, but there are things you can do to limit the effectiveness of their eyes and to gain an advantage over their, their vision. Elk mm-hmm. are the same. Their, their noses will never beat their nose, but there's a lot of things we can do in how we approach that elk that's going to limit its ability to utilize its senses to, to detect danger. And so, you know, all of these things that I just, it, it really was, it was a labor of love. There was a lot of work that went into it. But by the time I got done, I realized how much I love elk hunting and how blessed we are to be able to go elk hunting. And if anything, it, it stirred that flame and that passion that I have for it. And it gave me a resource to be able to share with other people to hopefully increase their passion as well. Yeah. Well, we, a lot of the questions we get, some of them are very general. Like you said, you know, where can I kill an elk on September 10th? <laughs> uh, we get that someone's interested in elk hunting and that's great. 
But if it's that generic, there's so many variables that we're not going to spend an hour podcast addressing all those variables. Yeah. But now if it's like the question I just pulled up here, a person goes into a really, really good exercise or, or explanation of the scenario. Uh, they're at a base camp. They're hiking uphill every day. Uh, the elk, for whatever reason, seem to be most active in that first two hours of their day. They're unfortunately getting really sweaty. And they're using the downhill thermal for them to get to where the elk are, but then everything kind of goes to hack on them. <laughs> they get to the elevation of the elk. It's the time of day when the thermals can't make up their mind what they're going to do. This person provided so much context to what their scenario is. You can tell they've really put a lot of thought into this. They're yeah. really trying to learn or if nothing else maybe they're just asking out loud some things they probably already know um but in that question you know and what was their you, question uh, their question is how do i handle this now i'm i'm close to the elk what do i do I, i've got the changing thermals and Corey usually says in his course stay at their elevation don't necessarily get above them don't necessarily get below them obviously keep good track of what that thermal is doing because if you're in the shade the thermal's going one way if you're in the sun the thermal's going the other way uh and uh you, going through your course it kind of prepares you for how to address that scenario even as specific as that that person asked the question and it's very specific to their situation in colorado uh the course and, and the way that you teach things kind of leads them to what are some answers and some possibilities. Yeah. I so, mean, for that, that specific those? one, you know, there's a, there's a video in the course that shows somebody leaving a base camp in the morning, hiking up the mountain, the thermals, you know, there's little flashing arrows showing the direction of the thermals at different times. You get up on the level of the elk as the thermals switch and they move up. So, you know, it shows you need to be on a, a ridge adjacent to them, not on the same ridge as them. I mean, all these little things that, I, listen, I've made every mistake you can think of. <laughs> I've went up the ridge below the elk, all them to their bedding areas, got there, got set up, and then the wind switched, and I'm right below them. I've got yeah. above them too early, you know, and walked over that ridge. I'm like, I'm above them. The thermals are coming up right here on this open ridge. I step over on the north side where they bed, and the thermals switch and start going back down the hill, and they smell me and bust out of there. So all these situations, you know, I've had to come up with, generally, how do I, how do, how do I overcome that? I don't just yeah. hunt Idaho every year on the same ridge. So I can't just go into it and say, I know what the thermals are doing right here on a sunny day. I know what time they're going to switch. I know what happens when cloud cover comes over. You know, I, I go to different areas I've never been to. And so I have to have a, a really good understanding of the general rule of what's going on so I can apply it specifically on the fly in different situations and scenarios. And so, like you said, you know, getting on the same level that really levels the playing field of an elk's nose. I mean, it does. They want to be above you or below you. That's why when they come into a setup, they're circling above you or below you because they want to get that, that advantage and use their nose to see if there's any danger. That's, they don't sit there and think, okay, I need to make sure I circle uphill of this because the thermals are coming uphill. It's instinct. It's natural. They know that and they do it naturally. And if they don't do it, 
it's because there's something wrong in the brain with them. Like all they're thinking about is breeding right now. And there's a cow <laughs> over there. So I'm running straight in there and instincts, you know, take a back seat to the, the bigger instinct that's happening right then. So, you know, just yeah. like you said, those specific types of questions, I've really tried to, you know, not only explain it, but create a diagram. Cause I think for us, it's easier to look at a video of somebody, you know, a, a silhouette walking up the mountain towards these elk, seeing what the thermals are doing. And then understanding if you get over here, they're going to smell you. If the wind changes, if you get over here, you're going to be too, you know, all these things I've tried to account for and, and make it so that people can understand it and apply it over and over in lots of different situations. Yeah. And those are, I use that example because that's the kind of question we'd probably grab out of the big pile of questions we get. Yeah. If you go to elkdocpodcast.com and you, there's a contact us or leave comment or something like those are the ones that we're probably going to answer because someone's really put a lot of thought into it 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 allows us a more specific context and setting so we can address how each of these points are brought up uh, okay this is why this factors in this is how that, how that factors in so uh that's a little bit of a I guess, explanation to some people who will send us the same question three weeks in a row. Like, why well, haven't you answered my question? <laughs> and, and we don't want to discourage anyone from going out and being hunting, being elk hunters, but also we feel that the audience gets more out of the question if we can be more precise in the scenario, the setup, the situation, and whether it's archery, whether it's rifle, whether it's whatever. Uh, I just threw that one out there because it kind of walks us through that process of you saying, well, here's how I address it in the University of Elk Hunting. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and, and uh, speaking to that, you know, the general questions, we get so many people that, you know, the email comes in, I'm going on my first elk hunt next year, and this might be my only shot to go. Where should I be looking for the best chance of success? Or mm -hmm. I'm hunting Colorado. I've made up my mind there, but I'm overwhelmed by all the units. So can you just tell me what unit I should be hunting in? Right. Uh, you know, those, those sort of things, we can't answer that. You know, there's yeah. so much else that goes into it, not to mention we'd be doing a disservice to the people who are already hunting that area. We'd be doing a mm -hmm. disservice to the person asking the question because what they're wanting is the easy, you know, they want the easy route. They don't want to have to do the legwork, the homework. Uh, and it is, there's a huge learning curve, just understanding what to look for in selecting an area, you know, all yep. of those things. Our goal is to provide the information that allows people to, do that research. We don't want to throw them out blindly and say, go to this platform and do your research here. We want to walk them through how we do our research, how we find those areas. So they don't have to ask those generic questions that we just, we can't answer. Yeah. But when somebody comes and has a question, like, you know, we, we get the question, uh, you talk about thermals going down in the morning and up during the day. So when I'm setting a camp, if I want to bivy back in somewhere and set up a camp, where should I be setting that? How close to the elk should I get? I know I need to be above them during the day. I know I need to be below them during the you know, nighttime. Where should I be? Should I be at the same level of them? Should I be a mile away? Should I be on the ridge above them? Should I be in the valley below them? You know, those, those sort of things I get excited about. Because I'm yeah. like, okay, here's, here's <laughs> what we need to do. Here are the details. You know, when somebody uh, says, um, what road should I go up and put my camp on? 
I'm not going to answer that. You know, I'm not going to tell you what road to right. go and, and hunt on. It, it just, hopefully people understand that, that, that Randy and I can't answer those general questions. We can't steer no. you into a specific area. We can give you all the tools that you need to find your specific area, but, but we just can't, we can't take that shortcut for you. No. And so much of that is specific to your preferred hunting style. Yep. If you have 10 hunters, there's going to be 10 different preferences, tweaks, derivatives of hunting styles. And my hunting style is what what I like to do, what really intrigues me, what I get great satisfaction in is it might be hunting a completely different way than someone else does. And there are certain landscapes that lend themselves to my hunting style that's would not would be like zero on the list for some other hunting style and that other hunting style might have a landscape that hey this is a great place to employ my hunting style that i like and it would be a terrible place for me to show up and try to overlay my hunting methods and styles and and the way i approach it so there's so many things related to that and that's why once i start narrowing down units it's not, oh, it's got to be the highest bull to cow ratio. It's got to be <laughs> the highest harvest success. For me, it's, all right, here's a handful of them. Get on my map. All right, here's what looks like lays out well for the way I hunt. Yep. And that's that ends up putting units higher up the priority list for me than they would somebody else. So that's back to your point of trying to show people the process you go through to get to your answer is more important than giving an answer. Yep. The uh, understanding so. the why, not not just asking for the how. Yeah. Yeah. I know, and I've got a, you know, it's that time of year. I'm trying to plan out my fall right now. And a couple of years ago, you know, I was I was locked into a area in Idaho that I've hunted for 20 years. And mm -hmm. it's a good area. Uh but it's tough hunting. I mean, it, unless you know specific areas, you could spend all week here and not see a track or hear a bugle. And I finally realized, hey, I should take my own advice. Instead of just going with what's easy and comfortable, <laughs> you know, maybe there's something that's better that's going to give me a better experience. So I broke down every unit, not every zone, every unit in Idaho. And there's 70 some, you know, general units in Idaho. I broke them down by. I got the statistics for bull-to-cow ratio, for success rates, for number of hunters in each unit. Again, not a not an overall look at the zone because there are some zones that have four units, and there might be one unit in there that only gets 60 hunters during archery season, but the zone as a whole gets 2,000. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, this is not 100% accurate information. It's based on surveys and everything, but it gives you a general idea of what to expect from pressure. Uh, so I looked at all of these different things. I looked at trends in success rates and the percentage of six-point bulls shot in each unit. And from there, I have a spreadsheet that lists all that. Then I can go through and, and assign uh, priority rankings on those things. So for instance, mm -hmm. success rate. If it is under 10%, it gets, you know, a zero. If it's yeah. 10 to 15%, it gets a one. If it's 15 to 20, it gets a two. If it's 20 and above, it gets a three. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I can go through each of those different factors, assign numbers, and then compute a final score for each unit in Idaho based on all of that prioritization. And it'll spit out top unit, second unit, third unit, fourth unit. Then I can look at each of those units and dig into you know the specifics of it. But I did that. And like you said, I'm not going to pick the unit that has the highest pull to cal ratio, that has the highest success, has the highest number of six points, because there's usually a lot of give and take in there. You pick the unit right. that has the highest number of six points, the bull to cow ratio might be really low. The overall population or the objective population might be under objective. And so you've got to look at all of those together collectively. Uh, so I did that. I picked a unit and we went there two years ago and it was incredible. We had a great, great hunt, way better than what I've been experiencing in the other units that I've been hunting. So I, what I'm saying is, I did all that research, and then I gave that same spreadsheet to a friend. He's like, what unit would you suggest? I'm like, I'm not going to suggest unit, but I'll give you the spreadsheet I use to pick the unit, and you can put in what's most important for you. He did, came up with a completely different unit in clear across the state, completely different part of the state. And he's like, this looks phenomenal. I'm going to hunt this unit. And look at the, you'll look at the score that it gave me on the spreadsheet here. And... I could have gave him, this is the one I came up with. We hunt very similar. You should go hunt this unit. But instead, he looked at it from his perspective and was able to determine this unit actually matches what I'm looking for. And it's not saying it's better or worse. It just, you know, he did his, he he didn't do the legwork. I did all the legwork in the spreadsheet. He just simply plugged (laughs) in the factors into the spreadsheet that were important to him and came up with a completely different area to go and hunt. He must be a really good friend. He is. Okay. <laughs> Not good enough he that must... I tell him what unit I'm going to hunt or give him that okay. that information, but uh, yeah, that must... spreadsheet is pretty valuable to me. Do, does he mow your lawn in the summer, wash your vehicles? No. Uh, cut your firewood? No. Hmm. Well, you never offered me that spreadsheet. I know. But that's you, right. you didn't I... ask either, though. Oh, I know. I, I got more <laughs> respect for all your hard work than to ask. But uh, uh, before we get on to the next thing, uh, I, I want to make sure that this is the sales pitch part of it. And I told Corey I wouldn't ask him to make the pitch. But, you know, we've talked about the University of Elk Hunting and Outdoor Class and how they're all now one piece. If you go to outdoorclass.com, that's where it's all located. And if you do use Elk Talk Podcast, uh, what do what they get a 20% discount, I think? Yeah, $20 it's off. So it's, yeah, it's so. What, $99 for a year membership. Yep. And yep. in that, you get access to the University of Elk Hunting in its complete form, but you also get 100% access to every other module so you know your, your right. pronghorn one that's coming out the survival one by barclow the existing mule deer late season rifle the peak rut calling elk everything you get that right. for 99 dollars plus if you use that promo code elk talk uh it's just elk talk right not elk yep talk. Uh, it's just elk i talk. think so yep no that, space that's how bad a salespeople we are Corey. we can't even <laughs> remember what our promo code is but well, we try to keep them all I, the same and that's that should help us but i i hope so and we're, we're trying to get you know we want the audience to save some money too yep so, so 79 I, I bucks a, you're able to sign up for that get unlimited access to it for the entire year so it's not like you go through it once and it disappears you can go back yeah. to it over and over uh, my daughter 
drove my truck last week. Hers was getting fixed. And she came home last night and said, I want my truck back. It took me $130 to fill your truck with gas. So <laughs> we're looking half a tank of gas to get all of this knowledge that you know, you go out and spend $80 in gas just driving to your hunting unit. If you live right next to your hunting unit to do a, a quick scouting trip, you could spend that $80 and gain so much more knowledge than one scouting trip is going to provide you uh, from all of those resources at your fingertips. Well, man, you you almost took the sales pitch away from me there, Corey. Just, I promised you. I said, Mr. Humble Humility, I'm not going to ask you to make a sales pitch when we talk about this because it's more about the story of how you did it. So, And look at you. you almost, we almost got you to make a sales pitch. Listen, $80 so, is a lot of money. I'm not discounting that, but we're, yeah, no, we're I pumping it. that into our trucks so, so frequently yeah. that, hey, oh. stop investing yourself and that's knowledge. Right. You know, your bow's going to, you're going to have to upgrade your bow. You're going to wear out a pair of boots. All those things are going to have to be replaced. You right. invest in the knowledge one time and it stays with you and you get to improve on it and grow it. And I think that investment is so much more exponential than anything else you can do. Yeah. And like John Barclow says, knowledge weighs nothing. Yep. I, I, I told him, I'm like, John, I'm going to steal that from you. Anytime <laughs> someone's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is two ounces less. I'll be like, yeah, but knowledge weighs nothing. Uh, so anyhow, let's shift gears for a little bit here. Uh, this podcast, I think, is going to drop on January 16th, if all goes well. Uh, if our editor Joe can get to it, I, I hope he will if I get it to him today. January 17th, Destination Elk version 5? Yeah. Is that what it is? V5. Coming out on your YouTube channel? It does, yeah. When you said, uh, I think this podcast is going to drop on January 16th, I've been thinking, I sure hope I don't drop before January 16th because we are uh, we are in the heat of editing and reviewing and trying to get all the pieces in place. There's just so much that you don't think about until you get into that final week. And it's like, oh, we've got to have a thumbnail. We've got to create all of these assets and images that we can use for thumbnails on YouTube, for social media, for emails. Oh, speaking of emails, I've got to come up with the copy to put in the emails. So we're in that busy, busy work right now. And John is cranking away on editing episodes. But Tuesday, January 17th, we uh, kick off Destination Elk V5 on Elk 101's YouTube channel. And wow. that is our, you know, it used to be day by day. Now it is uh, by day by day. You know, we each episode follows four different teams this year uh, mm. in a, a morning hunt. And then the next episode will be the evening hunt of that same day. And then, mm. you know, episode three is the morning of day two. So you, you basically get to follow along in a half a day of each of these four teams throughout their eight days of hunting. And mm. so, you know, you're wow. going to see days where we didn't even hear a peep from an elk. We didn't even see an elk. Uh, you know, we sit around during the middle of the day, bored out of our minds because it's too hot to do anything. But then you jump to, uh, you know, somebody hunting the coastal range in Oregon and they're into screaming bulls. And so it's uh, it's been a really fun format. It's a ton of work to try to bring all that content in and create episodes from different cameramen and different areas of hunting and different filming mm -hmm. styles and everything. But 
the end product is is pretty cool. Cool. Well, who all you got? You got you and Donnie. Yep, Donnie and I are Team Elk 101, and then okay. we have uh, Team Skousen, so Mark and Jeff Skousen, they're Jeff, the twins yeah. from Utah that they've been, I think this is their fourth season on Destination Elk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Team Pure Elevation, so uh, Tyler Crockett and Lenny Nelson, Lenny. Uh, they're here in Idaho, they're just gluttons for punishment, they hunt some yeah, of the those, most... Those guys, they, they, I, I watch that, and I'm like, Lenny... I don't know, man. I think that rodeo stuff did something to you. They've landed on their head way too many times. <laughs> and they're both uh, bull riders, ex-bull riders. And so uh, they just, they don't know pain. Like they just, there is no pain threshold for them that makes them turn around and go back. Uh, yeah. And then we've got team Angry Spike, who uh, Corey and Shannon over on the Oregon coast, uh, hunting Roosevelt. So hmm. those four teams, uh, you know, our sponsors we've got. So a lot of things we did last year, we did the team format last year, but we went away from some of the other features we'd had in previous seasons and people really mm-hmm. missed those. So we're doing the team format again, plus we're adding back in those features. Uh, one of which is the recap at the end where Donnie and I just sit and talk about some of the things, you know, just recap the hunts, but then we mix in strategies and tactics that, you know, a little more detail that we're able to really explain what we did, what we saw, how we reacted. Uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation sponsors what we call our strategy for success. So in each episode, we talk about a strategy that either contributed to success or that we should have used and because we didn't use it we weren't successful uh, donnie's got plenty of dad jokes we're making sure there's dad jokes in yeah. every episode and uh, then the other thing is our our big giveaways you know we're doing yeah. a, a big giveaway package in each episode so when people watch it on youtube all they have to do is make a comment there on youtube and that's their entry to uh wins and it's huge package this year we've got uh, peaks is one of our sponsors we've got headlamps and trekking poles and gators and all sorts of good stuff from them mountain ops a hundred dollar gift card and a tub of the limited edition bull rush uh, ignite which is only available in september but that's part of the package Uh, yeti's got some custom destination elk product in there and then the rocky mountain elk foundation has contributed a membership, uh, annual membership, and then some apparel and swag. So every cool. episode, somebody's going to win that. But then the really cool thing is Peaks, who you and I have, we've had Bryce mm-hmm. on the podcast before. Uh, right. They are doing a lifetime giveaway, which, Whoa, yeah. it's uh, So basically every product that they have available right now, the winner of this lifetime giveaway is going to get one of each of those products. But the cool part is for the rest of their life, when Peaks comes out with a new product, they're going to send this person that new product mm. as well. So, you know, wow. they're coming out with the TPs coming out here soon. A lot of cool stuff on the horizon that the winner of that's going to get. And they created a really cool custom uh, one-time T-shirt design to uh, commemorate the launch of Destination Elk. And uh, that T-shirt is going to be the, the ticket to get entered to win that big giveaway so a lot of cool stuff going on there but at the end of the day uh we're just excited to share yeah our elk hunts from last fall that'll uh be on the elk 101 uh youtube channel yep 
So on YouTube, uh, just search Elk 101. Uh, you can subscribe to it and then click that little notification bell that then you get a notification when the new episodes are dropped. But there'll be two episodes every week starting uh, on January 17th. They'll be launching every Tuesday and Thursday through March 14th, 21st, Whoa. somewhere in there. So a little right. over two months of, of elk hunting content to absorb in uh, the off season here. Cool. <clears throat> wow. You sent me a text the other day, <laughs> and I almost didn't want to answer it. Did you notice how how much trepidation I had when I answered it? You did? Yeah. And the did first you notice question, that I didn't provide I, you any detail? I know. So the first question is, or is I'm going to pull it up here. It's something like, what are you doing in September? <laughs> well, I'm hunting now. What, what do you think I'm doing? Where, where is it? Here. Uh, let me see. Uh, the... Uh, yeah what are your plans for september as of right now i'm like not sure at this time what you thinking i'm thinking sometime in early september i'm like what state and you say a state and i'm like wow you're optimistic <laughs> and uh then you say if you're if you are that uh, if you are optimistic that you will be available that first week of september i'll double down on my optimism and I'm like, well, given that, okay, I'm open in September. Is, <laughs> can we do spot and stock? And you say, no, insane bugling action. Uh, and then the the discussion ends. Yeah. So I still don't know what the heck you have in mind for September of next year. But Perfect. hopefully when we, when we hang up, you'll tell me. Yeah, probably not. I'll probably tell the audience before I tell you. <laughs> probably oh okay well i will be in kentucky the first week of october so okay i got to take a sweepstakes winner there yeah. but other than that right now my calendar is pretty wide open so cool well we'll uh okay we'll hash out more details as the season progresses here but knowing that you're available you and i haven't actually hunted elk together since was it New Mexico in 17? 16, that was New Mexico. Was that 16? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, but you came, last... to Montana. you came to Montana on a rifle hunt in 2019. Yeah, but we didn't get a hunt together other than well, no, we, more. We camped together. We, but... we shared camp. But, yeah. So. I just, well, I, I, got a, I got a big kick out of seeing the look on your face when I called in that bull in New Mexico that came by it. 20 yards mm -hmm. or 25 yards or whatever and you mm -hmm. didn't get a shot at it and mm -hmm. uh that was i'm that, i'm thinking i we need for, we need an, a hunting experience together an adventure like that and i know you don't want to go to alaska or anything so i'm keeping nope. that in mind but nope. i'm trying okay. to plan something where we can spend some uh some time together chasing elk during the rut all right llamas or no llamas uh, i don't think we'll need llamas Really? Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I've been working out all winter here. That's I, just started. <laughs> I might regret well, saying that, but. Uh, yeah. Well, when I got your tax, I jumped up, went and got my workout shoes on. And Kim is like, what, what are you doing? You going downstairs, work out? I'm like, yeah, just got a text from Corey. He wants to go elk hunting this year. I better get out of my butt and quit eating donuts. <laughs> 
So <clears throat> that was good for my uh, my uh, inspiration to get rid of some Christmas fat. So no thanks kidding. for that. Yeah, wow. I I did the same thing. I kind of fell off the no sugar wagon over the holidays and mm. felt it. Like it, it you feel it when you when you've yeah. been and I won't say I'm sugar free, but I definitely have tried watching how much yeah. sugar and the kinds of sugar. And then over the break, you know, you just get all these treats and different things and you kind of yeah. it's a, it's a hard it's a it's a big temptation for me. And then I started waking up in the morning going, man, my stomach hurts. Man, I feel tired and sluggish. And it took a took a little bit to clean that out of the system and get back at it. You're a man of high standards, Corey. I admire you. <laughs> I, I don't um, know about that. Well, I had my nieces in town skiing. They were out here from Minnesota. And they're like, Uncle Randy, I mean can we spend a week with you without getting some ice cream? So <laughs> like, well, no, I guess we can't. So no. I fell off the, I fell off the wagon. So but <clears throat> that's all right. I fell right into the dairy queen wagon that's when I right. fell off the no sugar. As long wagon. as you're parked next to a dairy queen, it's okay to fall <laughs> off a wagon. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to let you go. I, uh, I hope the audience uh, got some value out of this. And if you would, please send your questions because we'd love, even though we, we kind of gave, made this a podcast of how we approach answering the questions and, you know, the range of questions we get, we love them. We really, it gives us a lot of feel for what people are thinking, what challenges they see, you know, to how does that line up with some of the things that we're thinking or the frustrations or struggles we've created for ourselves. So please do that. Go to elktalkpodcast.com. Yep. Is that it, Corey? Yep. I always got to ask Corey because he's the one who built the website or he, one of his <laughs> friends built the website. On <laughs> yeah, I, I just have the login credentials for it now. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, elktalkpodcast.com. <laughs> Click on the contact link and, uh, send us an email and, and like don't. like randy said keep sending the questions because a lot of our podcasts are based off of those questions and without the question yeah. randy and i can come up with a any topic in the world we can think of but yeah. we uh we might not touch on what 90 percent of the you the listeners want to hear about so send yep. us that there's a really good chance that if you're if you have a question or there's a topic you want to hear about there's a lot of other people that have the same question or could benefit from hearing the answer to it so keep those yeah. coming don't ask us where to hunt and uh outside that yeah. any topic of related elk hunting's fair game yeah yeah and don't forget january 31st do your wyoming application well before that don't be one of those last minute people. And I think Arizona this year is February 5th or something it's like that. Up, I should, yeah. Anyhow, do Arizona before February 1st also, and then you won't miss that one either. Uh, and if you want to explore Corey's University of Elk Hunting and all the other folks who have contributed content to Outdoor Class, go to outdoorclass.com, use promo code ELKTALK, and save yourself some money on that subscription. So. Yeah. We got it covered, Corey? I think we're good. Yeah. 
Right. I'm excited right. for a Destination Elk to kick off. It's a, it's a yeah. big project and a long project, and we're in the final stretch here, and <laughs> it's going to be fun. To, I love going through and just reading the comments. That's uh, We yeah. read every single comment. Obviously, that's the entry for the giveaways, but uh, it's it's amazing to me to go to other people's YouTube channels and see the negativity on there. And then it's so refreshing to go to ours during Destination Elk and just see all these elk hunters coming together with the same passion. And there's just very, very little negativity. Well, well, thanks for doing that. And I know you're close to the end. I know you've built a few houses before. It must feel like when you're getting ready to finally wrap up a house you built, huh? It does, yeah. So much work that goes into it, and you're head down, and then uh, you turn around. It's like, man, the carpet's in, and I'm I'm (laughs) handing the keys to somebody. Uh, Yeah. Well, go to the Elk 101 YouTube channel, subscribe, follow along, and uh, that will be like it is every year. That's some amazing elk content. It's entertaining, but it also has a lot of good information in there. So, yeah. All right, Corey. Okay. You have a, you have a great day. I'm you do uh, the same. I'm going to go see if I can do something constructive here. Probably not, go. but <laughs> I'll try. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Randy, and thanks for listening, yep. everyone.